paranormal experiences don't really work to a timescale, and therefore we invite you to listen to a dark mini-sode. Hello everyone and welcome back to another dark mini-sode. I do like to think of these as little appetizers in between the main episodes of The Dark Paranormal. And of course, this week we have our penultimate episode of The Dark Paranormal for Season 14, and next week our season finale. Of course, as a podcaster, it would be silly of me to not try and promote the final two episodes as something amazing. But I'd never say that. What I will say is they are truly terrifying and something of a one-off. But I'll leave the rest of that to your imagination. Let me just say I've not been this excited in a long while to share something with you. And I mean that regarding both episodes, because they're somewhat interlinked. In fact, scrap that, they are interlinked. But we have the small matter of a small episode to take care of, and today's minisode comes to us courtesy of Richie. Now, Richie is a paranormal investigator, and a rather successful one, and he's provided us with an experience that he's taken from one of his books that he claims is one of the most terrifying things he's experienced. And so, without further ado, this minisode comes to you from Richie Grubbs. Hello. I absolutely love the podcast. So much so, I'm listening to it again from the beginning. So thank you for this wonderful show. I've decided to take one of my scariest experiences that I've ever had straight out of my book, Journey into the Unknown, my experiences with all things paranormal, and share it with you and your listeners. In my book, this is titled Horror in July. However, for the podcast reading, I'm going to call it The Day I Walked Away and The Day I Returned. There was once a yearly party in July that the board of the Ohio State Reformatory in Mansfield, Ohio, threw for the volunteers. We would be out in the yard if the weather allowed and have a cookout. On those nights, we would be allowed to go through OSR and do a free ghost hunt if we so chose. That night, it was raining, so we had the party inside. But no one was upset for two reasons. Reason one, it was 90 degrees outside that afternoon and humid as hell. And we got to have a party in the air conditioning. Second, Storms are great conductors for paranormal activity because the air is so electrified. After we ate, my friend Ryan and I set off for our night's adventure. For a while, nothing happened and we were a little bit everywhere. The only notable experience in the first hour was whilst we were in the administration area where the warden's office would have been, we smelled the amazing aroma of the late Warden Glatke's cherry pie tobacco. This is a phenomena that's been experienced for years after his death. About an hour in, 
we met up with another group of friends who chose to investigate as well. We went to the warden's quarters and all. But Ryan sat on the stage. He sat in a chair in front of the hall, facing us. While we sat there, he had my Mel meter. And I was just sat there with nothing, while everyone else had their own various pieces of paranormal equipment. As I sat there, I noticed in the room right beside Ryan that there was a small shadow, no bigger than a five-year-old, poking his head around the door shyly, observing us. And when I made contact, it seemed to settle and looked as though it were playing peekaboo with me. But suddenly, I got a very uneasy feeling and noticed the small shadow had looked to the opposite side of the hall and disappeared. Not 30 seconds later, one of my friends tapped me on the shoulder and told me to look down to the right side of Ryan. When I did, there was another shadow quickly approaching him. This one put off an aura of evil and stood about eight to nine feet tall. Just as I was about to tell Ryan, he jumped up himself and said a few choice words. When he jumped up, the shadow disappeared. When we told him what we saw, he told us that the Melmeter read 15 degrees colder, and he felt a hand touch him, and the Melmeter spiked to 10. Any human spirit might be able to make the Melmeters go anywhere from 0.01 to 0.05, but never 10. At least in my experience. It's Kev here. I just feel the quick need to explain what a Melmeter is. So a Melmeter is a piece of equipment specifically designed for paranormal research. It measures both electromagnetic fields and temperatures. It was designed by Gary Galka, who invented the spirit box, and it's named after his daughter, Melissa. Official Melmeters are embossed with the number 8704, which are a tribute to Melissa, who was born in 1987 and died in 2004 in a horrific car crash. But with that explanation out of the way, let's get back to Richie's experience. As an experiment six years later, I would hold my Melmeter up to the ceiling fanlight while it was on in my room, and it only read a 4.0. So what exactly walked up behind Ryan, we still don't know. But we do know it wasn't friendly at all. As the night went on, we would hear random disembodied voices laughing, footsteps and random shadows. But we still made our way slowly to the West Attic, which is part of the West Cell Block. To give you an idea about the attic, if it was 80 degrees outside, it was easily 90 degrees in the attic. With that being said, many believe that for a spirit to manifest, it needs to take heat and electricity from the air around it. 
which is why a common sign of spirit activity is coal spots and EMF spikes. Of course, with it being 90 and humid, all of us were more than happy to offer our heat to help the spirit manifest. As I normally would, I had my dowsing rods out, which is my favourite tool because they're easy for the spirit to manipulate. While we were in the front attic, we saw shadows in random spots. That didn't really surprise us, as that area was used for overflow housing at one point. With my dowsing rods, I was asking yes and no questions, and I remember at one point asking the spirit to point the rods towards them. They moved to the left of the room. Next, I said, cross the rods when I get to you. I was going to the back of the attic with Ryan following, when I got a bad feeling that I was going to have to go into the back room. When we got to the door, I said, Are you on the other side of this door? And the rods said yes. So, with the rods answering in the affirmative, Ryan and I reluctantly went in the room, whilst everyone else declined to go in. As we walked through the door, we were led around a narrow hallway, where we would see another smaller round room, and the rods would cross, telling me we were right beside who, or whatever, led us there. As we're standing in the dark, Ryan nudged me and whispered, Reach around me and tell me I'm not crazy. So I did, and it was at least ten degrees colder on the opposite side of him. When I pulled my hand back, I felt the cold on my opposite side. The next thing I knew, we were in what can only be described as a vortex, the cold air circling around us, and we were unable to move our feet through that vortex. I remember reaching out and feeling the hot summer air on the other side of this vortex. After trying for what seemed like hours to get out, I finally yelled for help. As soon as our friends got through the door and I saw the light of a flashlight, the thing made one last loop around both of us and swooped up a stairway to nowhere. At last we were free from that horror, and we both promptly left the attic and didn't step foot back in until we had no choice. And even now, almost a decade later, I still haven't crossed the threshold of the door to that back room. I will note that the air felt purely evil, and at that time, I couldn't handle it. We went back to the central guard room and told his mum what happened. She told us we were done for the night and made us both go home. To this day, I don't exactly know what caused that to happen, but I do know that I certainly never want to go through it again. Because this experience took place after 95% of the other events depicted in my book. 
I tell you this because I want to explain the psychological toll this individual experience took on me. It was my absolute breaking point. After it happened, I pretty much closed myself off to the paranormal in general. I decided that day I would finish out the tour season, and then I was done. Having something trap me was more than I could manage. Say my name, sure. Touch me. Punch me even. Scratch me. Hell, even try to possess me. But do not put me in an inescapable situation. I would go on to have more experiences before that tour season was over, but none that petrified me as much as that. Fast forward five or six years to April 23, and I'd finally had enough. I'd had enough of being angry, anxious, and afraid of the dark at nearly 30 years old. So I set my mind... I would finally return to the reformatory. And the first thing I would do is go back to that room and face off with that demon. And I did exactly that. As soon as we were set loose to go where we wanted, I headed straight to the back room of the West Attic. I planted my feet firmly, puffed out my chest and yelled, the basics of what was said that night was that I was sick of this darkness controlling me. I said, I'm damn near 30 years old and I'm afraid of the dark. From that point, I kept going a few more minutes, telling it I'm reclaiming me and it was officially banned from affecting my life. I finished with, if you understand... Make a noise so I know. I then heard a whistle in the room with me. For almost a year now, I'm no longer afraid of the dark. My anxiety levels have gone down and my fiery temper has subsided. I'm now embracing my spiritual gifts and working on getting a group together to help people who are going through hell due to the paranormal. If anyone is interested on the night I reclaim my life from the darkness, I caught it on video, and it's on my YouTube channel, Journey into the Unknown with Richie Grubbs. Also, the story this was taken from is from my book, which is available on Amazon. Thank you for reading my story. Take care. Well, thank you so much, Richie, for providing this week's mini-sode. And I'll just share with you, I'm 44 years old and I'm still scared of the dark. My partner's currently away and I have the landing light on, the door wide open and the cat laying next to me in bed. And that's the only way I will go asleep. And if, God forbid, that landing light or the bulb went and it was dark... Well, I think I'd leave through the window. So don't be ashamed in being afraid of the dark. There's a reason to be. As you've so eloquently explained in your experience. I'd like to thank each and every one of you for joining me here on this mini-sode. And please be sure to join me on Friday 
for our penultimate episode of season 14. Now, don't get me wrong, episode 9 and 10 of season 14 are standalone episodes. But they're also not. All will be revealed. But until next time, take care.